0: the european union is at 8.1 the g7 is at 7.1 like this is basically a worldwide issue at this point inflation's got
1: the whole world in its hands it got the whole world this podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends skippy and doodles that like to debate about investing content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only, not investment advice. You should do your own research and consult a financial professional before using any of the information in this podcast, and especially before investing. Morning. What's up, Douglas? Everything, man. Everything's going on. Everything's going on. The world continues. It's like it, uh, it started just this snowball of nonsense, you know, two and a half years ago, and the world continues, keeping us guessing.
0: <laughs> Every week, there's definitely something that uh, surprises me. Before we hop in,
1: people, if you don't know, you can send us listener mail, either on Twitter at SkippyDougals or SkippyDougals at gmail.com. Thank you to the folks that did this week. And remember, uh, SkippyDougals.com is your one-stop shop for everything. Please rate and review. Helps people find us. On the list of nonsense. Bees are fish now, Skippy. (laughs) You know, when we look around the financial markets... We see all these people pointing to various asset classes and calling them something different to make it sound fancy, to make prices go up, right? It just happens all the time, right? You bundle something up a different way. You call it something, you spack this, you spack that, but never did I think that was going to leak over into the animal kingdom.
0: You, you know what else you didn't think? You didn't think that you mentioned bees and you're going to get me to drop tons of bee knowledge because I uh, went down the rabbit hole with that rotten series on Netflix. Have you watched that? i have not okay it's all about unintended consequences of our food supply chain so they do like wine avocados and they did one on honey right so you used to live in california you you know almond trees are like a whole thing taking over all of california farming right and the water needs are a whole thing well there's not enough bees locally to pollinate all those almond trees so During the spring, the U.S. imports bees from all over the states to California to pollinate the almond trees. And so you have all the bees in the country basically in one place at one time. There's uh, potentially catastrophic consequences to this, Dougals. And what's hard for me here, thank you for dropping that knowledge, but what's difficult about it for me is I'm not even sure what animal
1: you're talking about. (laughs) Because it might be a fish? Because it might be a fish. And to give, we'll, we'll get back to your, your regularly scheduled investing program here in a moment. <laughs> but I was so taken aback by this. California has legally declared bees as fish. And this is because there's this law in California, the California Endangered Species Act, that, that was first written something like 50 years ago in the 1970s. And it was designed to protect. Native species or subspecies of bird, mammal, fish, amphibian, reptile, or plant. Yeah. Nowhere in there do you see bees. However, the way they defined fish, which is listed in there, was as a wild fish, mollusk, crustacean, invertebrate, amphibian, or part, spawn, or ovum of any of these animals. The key word in there is invertebrate, something without a spine. And What that's been used for is people want to save the bees. And so they basically said, well, you defined a fish as anything that doesn't have a backbone. So now anything that doesn't have that backbone is now technically could be saved under this Endangered Species Act. And people trying to save the bees,
0: perhaps for their almonds, right? Get their almond milk. Bees are now fish. Uh, Should we applaud the ingenuity here or are you just perplexed?
1: (laughs) I mean, look. I guess do what you got to do, but like at some point, you got to say, like, a bee's not a fish. But the last time I saw a, a fish flying around my backyard and my
0: son ran in the house was like, never. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but so this is, I actually think you got to watch this documentary because this documentary is insane in terms of the fact that the, the bee counts in America are down at least 50% and they continue to fall pretty drastically, uh, which is why. States like California are having hearings like this. if there was more bees than we know what to do with, no one would be calling them a fish to try and protect them. Right. But True. the reason for that is because honey farming as a pure economic play is no longer profitable because China has all this honey. And then China has some trade secrets. It appears where they also blend simple syrups with their honey. And then they send all that honey to the U S at, at basically half price. So we put tariffs on the Chinese honey and now they ship it to like Taiwan and all these other places. And then they send it our way to try and get around the tariffs. So if you are buying the Chinese honey, that's not real honey. Dougal, it's just insane. They also created basically a fingerprint on your honey so you can figure out when it's counterfeit Chinese honey with simple syrups and not real honey. Fascinating stuff. When I re-listen
1: to this, I'm going to try and make myself every time that you just said bees to hear stocks and every time that you just said honey to hear electronics. And I think that it'll flow. You're talking the about how uh, yeah. same sort of, yeah, you're like bees are so far down, they're going to fall even further. China's <laughs> got the the cheap honey that they're shipping over to the US. Some of it might be real. Some of it might be counterfeit. Right? Anyway, I'm going to when I when I listen, I'm going to listen to that.
0: Well, and then because you can't make honey profitably, you have to send your bees to California to get paid to pollinate the almond trees. Boom. Full circle. I'm sorry. I'm in a rabbit hole. We should get back to
1: investing. All right, let's jump back out. So now to the investing talk, two pieces of listener mail came in the first from, from Adam. And this is, we talked about youngmoney.co a few weeks ago, right? We brought up a, a piece from this. This is another one called the inefficient market hypothesis and let's first give a couple little sentences about the efficient market hypothesis the efficient market hypothesis what it states in the simplest terms is that there's all this information that's out there and because the information is out there people absorb that information and that's reflected in stock prices today that makes it harder for anyone to beat the market overall because all the information is already reflected in prices and so you don't know anything that no one else doesn't know, basically. I know that's maybe overly simplistic, but does that fit the description well enough? That's fine, yeah. Okay. So that's the efficient market hypothesis. And this, our our friend Jack over there uh, at youngmoney.co said, all right, if you look over the last couple of years in the market and just, let's just name 25 things that have happened, how can you call this efficient with all this nonsense? And so I'm going to list out, we'll put this out on the Twitter so you can take a look, but I'm just going to go through five of the 25 things he named because they're just it's just funny and ridiculous and actually is a really solid summary of some of the things that we've talked about over yeah. the last couple of years. It was, a, it was a fun trip down memory lane. First, if the markets are efficient, why did someone pay one million dollars for this picture of a rock? You remember that? Yes. There was an NFT of a rock. So if you go way back, the pet rock came out. People got confused as to why that was millions of dollars of a business. Now people (laughs) took pictures of rocks. So you have pet rocks. Then there was a point, this wasn't in the article. There was a point where like someone stole the NFT of the rock. (laughs) So anyway, ridiculous. How is the market efficient? Number, that was number two on their list. Number seven on the list. Second thing I'll talk about. I sold my used 2016 Forerunner with 90,000 miles for more than its purchase price last fall we talked a lot about used cars and used car prices going up right during this time if the markets are efficient what the heck number 9 on his list in 2022 arks flagship etf has now underperformed cotton
0: since its inception just cotton not like the innovative cotton <laughs> not the disruptive cotton, just cotton. No, yeah, yeah.
1: If you break apart that, if you like stratus, stratify all the different types of cotton, this is not that like Taiwanese <laughs> semiconductor, you know, that cotton. This is not the cotton with the honey in it coming out of China. No, 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 no. This is just like through the loom, you know, style, like in my undies, cotton. Yep, yep. Arc, Kathy Woods Arc, flagship ETF, celebrated in 2020 for all of its magnificence the pinnacle of innovation has underperformed
0: cotton wait the pinnacle of innovation i'm in a snarky mood today but like holy cow you you're she's so disruptive with her funds that she can't even beat cotton that's disruption because if you could hold the s&p 500 you can beat cotton right oh that's that is
1: disruption. It is disruption to say that you're going to have forty percent a year returns and not be cotton. That, I mean, it's just throwing throwing me for for a, I don't know, something. All right. Number twelve on the list: the existence of TikTok finance influencers. We had a good amount of fun last year with TikTok influencers, people talking about how the best strategy in the world is when you buy low, sell high, right? it's just it's absolutely wonderful. And the video that he has in this post for TikTok influencers, influencers one I think you've probably seen this one Skippy. It's the one where someone made a video of themselves talking about how mortgage fraud is how you make money. Do do you remember this video?
0: I just watched it. I mean, it's cringe. It's also terrible. Can we take a, a brief detour here? Like, I've been trying to reconcile how much bad investing advice there is out there and how popular some of it gets. Why do people crave this so much? Is it all about trying to make a quick buck or I don't I don't really get it. I mean, this dude specifically but pretty much everything I see on TikTok finance is people that don't know what they're talking about unfortunately. I think there's part of it that's a quick buck and I also think
1: there's part of it related that is being clever and making a quick buck. Like I think people crave the the adrenaline rush of like the new thing, the smart thing. The thing that someone else maybe didn't see and the, yeah. the boring thing which is the smart thing ultimately right is it's just not it's not interesting so i think it's part quick buck but also part like this seems cool like this rock seems cool
0: this ape seems cool yeah remember the uh the original TikTok finance we made fun of is the this guy in an ohio state shirt talking about his investing strategy to make twenty thousand dollars a month is he just buys things that go up do you remember that? And then if they stop going yes. up, he sells them and he can't, he, he quit his job. He doesn't know why everyone else doesn't do this. It's so easy. Man, I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah, I, I remember watching that and I was like, why'd I never think about this? <laughs> For those who don't get the sarcasm, I can guarantee you that guy is uh, not making $20,000 a month and probably lost his entire initial investment unless he bailed. At some point, it still feel sad for he and his wife. Yeah,
1: assuming they're still married. All right, number twenty three on this list, and save the best for last because this is all this is all up in your wheelhouse, Skippy. This is your favorite thing. If the markets are efficient, then why, for about nine months, Chamath created
0: billions in market value for his spacs by tweeting out a word doc. With a few bullet points about his investments there was tina going on and people were looking for a place to park their cash that's what happened pretty much this entire list of 25 things which is great by the way because they basically all show some insanity here is uh people looking to make a quick buck and having cash in their accounts
1: it's it's really wild it's really wild. thank you adam for sending that in it's an enjoyable list we'll put it on the twitter because it's just fun to read through the 25 things and it is a trip down memory lane for the past couple of years. Love it. Uh, Second thing, this is going to dollar stores. People are now that we have recession looming, people are flocking to dollar stores, Dollar Tree, Dollar General, Family Dollar. Loving it. I personally believe that you should all go to Dollar General. unacceptable.
0: I'm on the Dollar Tree side of the house.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And it's because Dollar General caters to the under 40k a year income bracket. Dollar Tree caters to the over 40. They're more of like the suburbs, right? Dollar General, sorry, Dollar Tree goes into the suburbs, right? They try and hit you in the suburbs. Dollar General hits you in the rural areas. So I can understand why you might more be more supportive of Dollar Tree. But anyway, it's it's a it's kind of wild. Um, it's happening. People are, are trying to save money um When they're sp, they're still spending, but they're trying to spend less when they're doing it, going to dollar stores. So it's the happening, man. It's the happening. All right, what you got
0: in the fishbowl? Well, it, the, I think this ties into both the things we just talked about, but there's a a pretty decent post. I think this was Substack actually, and I'll I'll find the author here. But it's called "Americans are spending their excess savings," and it talks it breaks down specifically how the personal savings rate had huge spikes in it with some of the Stimulus checks that were provided over COVID. And so they have a great chart that talks through how that was trending without the stimulus checks. And we basically are on the same trajectory there, but we have these huge spikes and then the personal consumption, the personal outlays obviously fell off a cliff and went down, gosh, like as much as 30% in the heart of the first COVID scare in March, 2020. What this shows, though, is that the the personal spending is starting to break through that trend line, you would expect, and trend higher. And the main conclusion from this post is simply that people are starting to save or starting to spend some of their excess savings that they built up through the last two years, and then kind of make some conclusions about what that might mean. But right now, uh, consumer spending hasn't really slowed in the way that you might anticipate, with inflation increasing and the markets turning. There's some uncertainty out there, but your average consumer is saying, "I don't really care. <laughs> I'm sick That's of you know. I'm sick of this for a lot of reasons. I'm sick of spending less than I'm used to. I'm sick of not traveling. I'm sick of all these things, and I have more savings than I'm used to. So now's the time." And this, it gets complicated to go into the details, so we'll like skip some of like the nitty
1: gritty nuance. But to give a couple numbers for what you were saying, over 2020 and 2021, there were two about two and a half trillion dollars in aggregate savings. In 2022 so far, 150 billion of that has been spent. That is, it is wild, and it gets to to your point. Going back to the dollar store piece. Um, I was saying people trying to save money, but then corrected that, right? Put my game down, flipped it and reversed it like Missy and said, it's actually that they're still spending, but they're trying to spend less because to your point, people are just like, I'm still, you can't, you, I cannot be held back from the stores, right? I will not be held back from the stores. So people are still spending, they're still spending aggressively,
0: right? But trying to save and skimp where they can well and the reason this reminded me of dollar stores is my kids are still on the dollar store kick uh we tried to go the other day and because of short staffing issues they've reduced their hours right so we showed up this place was opening like 25 minutes later we didn't even stay there was already a line outside i mean what what does that say on multiple ends of the spectrum people clearly really like the dollar store probably because they feel like they get more bang for their buck The dollar store has reduced hours and people still are ready to go spend that money. Like, you know, they just they're out there and it does. It does scare me, man. It scares me in what way. I don't
1: I don't want to be all doom and gloom, which I know I say that and then that's what I do, but I don't want to be all doom and gloom. But the reason it scares me is this. It's this confluence of compounding factors that are coming in where you have you have companies that are looking for workers, workers don't want to work, and workers are quitting, right? And when I when I take all that together to say, like, there there are all these jobs, but people aren't taking them, I think when you, spending will start to, as prices continue to go up, I think spending, the amount of money spent will start to go down a bit, but it's still going to be more aggressive. And what that's going to lead to is people needing jobs. But by that time, the companies would have now shut down job openings. And so people are going to be in a cash crunch. I think I think that's that's way we're going to that's how we're going to roll in the meantime we're going to go through our savings and by the time we've gone through our savings we now want to go back to work the jobs will not exist we have record debt and it's going to be problematic
0: yeah I think that's a very reasonable hypothesis uh that book I'm reading by Ian uh Bremer which is called the power crisis came out like three weeks ago talks a lot about automation and uh, McKinsey and Company came out with a study. This this is from memory, but I think it's right that eighty three percent of jobs that pay less than twenty dollars an hour. Now, this study is a few years old, so think of this before the lower wages increased as they did in the last twelve months, pretty significantly. Um, those are likely at risk due to automation, and you think about just what I talked through, right? The dollar store not being able to hire employees to run their company well they're gonna find a way to automate them with services maybe it's maybe it's robots that stock the shelves or maybe it's automated checkout lines up front because they don't want to operate they don't want the store to be open for nine hours a day when ideally it should be open for 14 hours a day or whatever the calculus is so it's exactly what you're saying I, i fully believe your point that people are going to go spend that savings. Then at some point down the road, they're going to look at their savings account and go, you know what? I need a job. <laughs> and yep. that job might not exist. And, and
1: where household debt, corporate debt, all debt is, is it's at really high levels. And a lot of that's in housing, right? So hopefully people might be okay there. Like, I really hope that we're not hitting something that like we hit in 2008 it doesn't appear to be so um but there's just there's so much debt too like so you need that cash it's scary man um i i hope i hope it's not as bad right as we've seen before but it's not going to be good um and but we we still have time
0: to correct the, the housing stuff though i mean i don't know if you want to go head that direction or not but the housing stuff is just crazy and i continue to be endlessly fascinated by it so I was doing research on Nashville, Tennessee, some single family homes in Nashville, Tennessee. I think you'll get the point here. Here's what the Zillow home price trend for Nashville, Tennessee looks like over the past decade. So, the average single family home in this specific zip code, which is 37208, 10 years ago was about 150K. It dropped. To a low in 2013 of about 117 thousand dollars. Any guesses on the current average price in that zip code, Douglas? 350. 450. Whoa! Little over seven <laughs> years, you go from 117 thousand dollars to 450. How is this sustainable? It's just not. I mean, just yeah. put some common sense in your mentals, as Douglas would say, mm-hmm. and. Think about how you go from 117 to 450, it's not sustainable. There's no chance.
1: I think we let's keep pulling on the housing thread since we're on it. I'm going to dip into the fishbowl for to talk about this article in the New York Times that came out called When the Best Available Home is the One You Already Have. And what it's saying is people aren't moving anymore. It's not that they don't want to, but they don't want, well, maybe, maybe I should say people are moving less. Let me be more accurate. But it's not that people don't want to move, but Housing prices are going up, even for renters, right? Rental, renting prices have been going up. In a lot of cases, like 15%, they were given this example, Boulder, Colorado, rent, rent, rental prices are up 15% year over year. And to give a couple stats on when, when I say people aren't moving as much, what does that mean? In the mid-1980s, about one in five people in America moved annually. And most of those moves were within the same county. By 2021, this number was one in 12, one in 12 people moving annually. So from one in five to one in 12, for percentage terms, that's easier to understand. That's about 20% to 8%. Yeah. That is buck wild change. It is a dramatic shift in in people moving. So you've got uh, new mortgage applications and home sales have fallen now, right? Recently, that started happening. Um, People are now spending more money on remodeling the place that they're, they're already at. And then renters are renewing their leases at record levels as opposed to moving. And all of this, you could say, well, who cares, right? People have a house, you can pay your rent. So what's the big deal? Part of the big deal, potential big deal from an economic perspective is that movement around the country has been historically a primary factor in upward mobility for people. So you do things like find that new job that might pay you more, that might be a career step up, and then you move there. Yeah. If you're unable to move there, what you're relying upon, because I could see the argument that people bring up is like, well, everything's remote, right? But now you're, you're stuck. So you're like relying upon your ability to work remote if you can't move, and you, you could get stuck career-wise there. So just pulling on that housing thread, it's house prices, yes. They are definitely going up, rental prices going up. And so people are kind of stuck where they are. And it's that lack of optionality that becomes pretty tricky.
0: Well, and there's so much there. So also freedom of movement throughout the U.S. is one of the historical economic competitive advantages we have. We've been really good about moving people from Mississippi to Texas to to staff up, to ramp up, to build a new SpaceX facility or whatever the case may be. And then, and and Europe's not quite as good as that. Uh, even in the EU, there's not a ton of Italians that move to France to work for the, the French company. Because it just feels, there's a different vibe there than it is going from Mississippi to Texas. And then there's housing prices, for sure. I think there's more going on here, Dougals. And I'm not exactly sure that I understand all the dynamics. But... It is really drastic. In 1985 to say 20% of people um moved and now it's only 8%. It's a huge shift. What I mean, what other factors are at play though? It can't all be cost of living. I think a lot of it is cost of living though. I mean, it's a,
1: economics are 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 a pretty big part of how people make decisions. Now, I think you you can say because it's multi-decade, I get your point. Like it's been what 40 years, you know, maybe not quite yeah. of a trend that we we see here and so Maybe it's not like fully cost of living because a lot of this um, housing, like big, big housing inflation has been recent. But even if you look back a few decades, on average, now this is I'm going off top of my head a little bit here, but I think on average, housing prices have generally risen closer to like that seven to 10% a year range, right?
0: Housing values and wage values go up like one to 3%. So, oh, no, I have this graph and it's amazing that basically shows the percentage of income required to buy the the average home and it is at a 20-year high let me find it all right so yeah tying into that right there's another great article in the journal that talks specifically about mortgage application mortgage applications falling to their lowest point in 22 years and they have this killer graph like You don't even have to read the words of this article, you just have to look at the graph. It's share of income needed to cover housing costs from 2006 on. In 2006, this is for your your average American. um, That number is about 41%, which is really, really high. And then it drops all the way down to say 26% in 2012, 2013. And now it has just skyrocketed from about 28% in early 2020, all the way up, what, 39% today? That's the steepest point of this curve. And uh, let me just tell you, when I do my personal finances and I think about the cost of mortgage, I'll tell you, it's less than 25% for me. Uh, There's no chance I'd ever consider paying 40 percent. well i shouldn't say that uh, let's just say that's not ideal um if you're in a situation where you're paying 40 percent of your income to cover housing costs you have very little remaining for the other necessities of, of life yeah i mean that's the it's the whole thing around
1: investing and it flows into your personal finance as well right is you gotta avoid the quote unquote death line right you gotta stay in the game you have to have a seat at the table and circumstances like this it decreases what I'll I'll just use the word I used before it decreases optionality for you there's not flexibility there's not choice you're kind of stuck and when you're stuck that means that you're kind of you're a, you're passive in your own finance basically right cuz things are right. happening to you um you just have to sit and wait it's a it's a scary place now i'm hopefully hopefully things are things end up in a place where Where it's all good right prices come down enough incomes go up enough like hopefully but history doesn't show that like that is usually the case right and so it's pretty scary people not having optionality for mobility reasons uh income as you just stated income being at at such a uh, sorry housing prices being such a high percentage of income i tell you
0: (laughs) well we (laughs) talked earlier I, i you know almost unrelated way but though as i see this graph i think it's got to be related about people spending more of their savings accounts well if you're renting and your rent goes up 15 20 your cost of living as a percentage of income is creeping up you might just have to start spending your savings to cover the cost of food and transportation as much as anything else until you find a way to increase your income
1: but yeah it's, it's absolutely ridiculous it's like
0: it is wild it's wild all right. What's next for you? Can we, can we just talk inflation, but not specifically for the US? I want to, I want to just let people know that it's the whole world going on. So we've talked a bunch about Turkey, right? This is a comparison of percent change in the inflation rate, or sorry, this is just the inflation rate over the last year, uh, through April, 2022. Turkey's up there 70%. I mean, that's just going to decimate your economy. The OECD countries are actually at 9.2%. So pretty much all the developed economies are there. Places like Greece and Chile are north of 10%, as is Poland and Latvia. Hungary's in the mid-nines. The G20 as a total is at 8.5%. So I guess what I'm trying to explain here is in the grand scheme of things, it feels like the U.S. is the only crazed one. Um, Again, the European Union is at 8.1. The G7 is at 7.1. Like, this is basically a worldwide issue at this point.
1: Inflation's got the whole world (laughs) in its hands. It got the whole world. Yeah, it is. It is. We, we, uh, it's easy to get stuck in your own bubble, so to speak about like what's happening there, but this is a global situation. Yeah. I right? like it. The supply chain issues are worldwide. We can't get real honey up in here from China. Right. As you were talking about before.
0: <laughs> we don't want like, We don't want the Chinese honey. All right. Uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Support sorry. your local, uh, fish farmer.
1: <laughs> but it, these numbers are absolutely wild. And I keep checking cause you know, I've been doing this for a while. I keep checking, uh, the Turkish, like stock market, like, cause I just look yeah. at like uh, like stock market funds, cause it. I, when I see something like seventy percent, like how how have you not dropped like further further than this? Like the the Turkey uh, Turkish ETFs that I'm looking at, like so U.S. traded ETFs that are looking at Turkish yeah. stocks, like
0: are staying fairly stable right now. When you have seventy percent inflation, uh, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to take us down too much of a rabbit hole, but it, in my experience, my limited experience with situations like that, it's so complex because the companies are trading and it's the tur- Turkish lira. Is that right? That's As the currency. Yeah, the currency. And, and then you have the exchange rate between the lira and the dollar. So even if that stock market is making drastic moves one way, it, your That's returns, true. your dollar yeah. denominated returns get cost lost in the shuffle of the exchange rate. And like, it ends up disconnected from the true performance in a situation where you have 70% inflation. That's true. You're,
1: you're bringing wisdom into it. You're bringing wisdom and logic into it. Fair enough. I got one last thing. Yeah. And I know I'm banned from talking about this. I know I am, but I'm just going to rant a little bit, like a couple little ranty points, not even a real rant. It's like a rantito about Kathy Wood. Is that okay? Is it Please. okay? All right. So I mentioned before as part of the uh, inefficient market hypothesis post, there was a little mention about about Kathy Wood there, Kathy Wood underperforming cotton since the inception of her fund. But so that's one point. But the ranty points I have, because it's all about, as we talked about with uh, Justin Carbono when he was on here, it's the fact that she like digs her heels into this stuff that really gets to me. So, two points in Kathy Wood. The first is she has run out of public equities, apparently, to invest in. So be, her, her flagship fund, arc this year is down something like 50%. It's down, I don't even know what the number is, 70% off its high, something like that. Not doing well. Many portfolios are not going, doing well, but not doing well. But this is where she says, I've run out of public equities, so now I'm going to start investing in private companies. When, your risk, when the risk profile of your fund is confounding. That's all it says, right? Like when you look at the sharp ratio, it just says like confounding. When the risk profile is confounding, how are you going to increase the risk profile of what investments you're getting in? Like, so that that's one thing. The second thing, and this is where she just talking absolute nonsense in my eyes. US GDP is gonna go up 50% over the next decade. I, look, I don't know. I don't care, honestly. I mean, I yeah. do care. I would like the U.S. to continue yeah. growing, but I don't care like what the exact like projected number in that sense. But I, I think I when I read this, I like turned into Kevin Hart for a second. <laughs> for, I don't know why, but I just picture my my inner Kevin Hart came out, and I was like, "Who is you <laughs> to be saying like you're the person that came out and said that your funds going to be going up forty percent a year? Now you're saying that GDP is going up fifty percent a year? Like I don't even know." What okay, so I movie. was
0: actually unclear on that because I just saw the headline. She said 50% per year? Or no, 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 say, no, 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 Just okay, over the next she decade. She said 50% over the next decade. So fine, whatever. Macro projections are dumb. All projections are dumb, but fine. That's not, I don't need, I always forget off the top of my head, is GDP like 20-ish trillion or something? So would we be going to 30th trillion in 10 years? Sure, whatever. That makes her other projection of her funds growing up 40 percent a year even more ludicrously insane because you can't it's really tough to outperform gdp that significantly well never mind 40 percent a year is just dumb to say at all and th- there's
1: a world because our because arc is down so much there's a world where like in my head i'd go like that could be an interesting thing to look at like to research but the one of the primary issues with me with arc is that it's not a stable thing. Like, it's not like she's had this group of stocks that she believed in. And that group of stocks went down 70%. She changes her no, like, she investments effectively all, all the time. Like she was like, Tesla, you're going to the moon, sell Tesla the next day, one month later buy Tesla. And I'm like, so, so what am I investing in? I'm investing in you 50% GDP lady. I'm investing in 50% GDP lady.
0: Nah. Oh, well, since Sorry. we're on the ranting section, it, If the listeners don't know, and I know 90% of you do, but these stock splits that are happening with Amazon and Tesla's, are going to do a Shopify, Shopify, absolute garbage. People like, just so, you know, (laughs) absolute garbage. So here's what happens, right? If my company is worth a hundred bucks and I have a hundred shares, each share trades at a dollar. If I do a stock split. Two to one, then my shares trade at fifty cents. My company is still worth a hundred bucks. It's absolute garbage. It's just math. Sounds like it's on sale. Be like, oh, that seems cheaper. I remember Tesla used to trade in the thousands and now it's trading in the three hundreds. Well, they split the thing. It's garb it's such garbage. I the <laughs> the headline the other day, and I'm pretty sure as the Amazon did a stock split uh in the past week was like Amazon up based on stock split reset or something it's yep. like it's the exact same company they divided it by a different number that's all this is it's all it is
1: it's all it is all right i'm i'm getting too hot and heated i
0: can no longer continue if we got two minutes i want one more rant just since you got me fired <laughs> up our president professor i feel like he should be a professor professor joe biden okay has some talking points and hey, most of his talking points are fine he's been making the rounds he was on camel he's uh doing a lot of pcs one of the talking points i just got to call out because i think it's garbage dudes tell me it's not again so i'm not saying most of his talking points are garbage i'm saying this specific point is garbage he uh is taking on ExxonMobil, and i don't care which oil company is taking on he he's thrown around the quote that they're making more money than God. First of all, just eh, God has more money than Exxon Mobil. If God, you didn't make, really God didn't make that hypothetical. Money. God didn't make any money. Okay. Oh, God, so, was a yeah, poor God either makes no money so. or he makes as much money as he wants out of thin air. There's no Exxon Mobil cannot make profits of God. That's just, there's a flaw there. But his talking point is about these 9,000 permits held by US oil companies that are not being drilled and how that's because they're greedy and then he goes on to say and they're not drilling because they make more money by not drilling and they like to spend their profits buying back shares garbage as the French would say, Douglas. garbage, All right? <laughs> so, no no, the reason they're not drilling is because you and the rest of the world which is perfectly fine, I understand climate change and I understand why everyone wants to move away from fossil fuels like that makes perfect sense. But there's not clarity for these oil companies to say, if I make an investment today that has a 15 year life or maybe a 30 year life, like what, what, how do I project my cash flows? How do I just those back for when I'm pumping oil out of that well, 20 years later, that if you want people to drill today, you make it crystal clear what's going to happen to them over the next 20 or 30 years, because you can't you can't do both of these things you can't be like "Oh, five dollars a gallon is too much but we need to get away from fossil fuels no tell these people you need their help for the economy today for to fight inflation today and write something out that says it, on all new permits that are drilled in 2022 here's exactly what your tax burden and your carbon credits and everything else will be let the economy work and you'll be just fine here but to demonize I'm not saying the people at Exxon are great people. I don't even know them, but to demonize them and say they're being greedy. No, they just don't have clarity around how to run their business. Give them that clarity and things are going to be fine. Reach on man. That was clear. Clear. Take. I thought take. I thought you were going to push back on that. No,
1: no, I think, I think that, I think he's pulling a lot of like statements from a bunch of different places and putting them together and, you know, and some talking points and they don't really make sense as, from a, from like a business standpoint like anyone in the business community that reads this is going to be like, okay, you, you,"
0: I'm not even going to say that you don't support us. You don't even understand. Yeah. That's where it comes across for me is like, yeah, demonizing, buying back shares. No, they're, they're making capital allocation decisions to benefit their shareholders. That's all exactly. Exactly. Um, so, and it's not like they don't want to, their business is pumping oil out of the ground. It's not like they don't want to continue to do that. And, And, so, yeah, sit down at the table, shake some hands, and figure out common ground with these people, and things get better. Don't demonize them because you think that's a ta- winning talking point for the next election. Um, and it's not either. It's, it's, like not, gonna... it. it's not either. <laughs> all right, where can people find us? Well, so first of all, I just, we've been doing the one stop shop, skippydougals.com is our shout out there but really we love listener mail and we stopped saying the listener mail address for the longest time and then our our listener mail slowed a little bit so uh skippy doogles at com is the place to go uh, we like interacting with the audience um premium subscriptions skippy doogles at com, and uh twitter skippy there it is thank you everybody thanks for listening peace guys